Hello and welcome to Renewing Hope Church in Oceanside, California, where our mission is to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourself. We pray that this episode will both challenge and encourage you to love more. And now, here's today's episode. What we're going to be looking at tonight is Israel was on the move and they were going somewhere. And so uh, they were on their way to the land that God had promised Father Abraham uh, nearly over 400 years prior. So it must have really been a surreal moment for them, right? As they, they heard the stories, they, they knew what to, what, what to expect because they had seen God's provision before and they were just trusting him all along the way. And so they were coming to the place where it was, it was time. And I just think about that moment. It must have been surreal as they were getting ready to enter into the promised land. So the year roughly was around 1406. That's where a lot of scholars date it. And uh, they had just spent 40 years in the wilderness. And it was going to be Joshua who would be the one to lead them in. So he took the baton from Moses And Joshua was a courageous, courageous man. You know, we see when he comes on the scene in in, uh, the book of Exodus, he's immediately called to be a military leader, you know, to fight against the Amalekites. And he's later sent out to be a spy to go check out Jericho. And, you know, he was essentially Moses' right-hand man. He was his assistant. In fact, he even went, we don't know how far, but he went up Mount Sinai, some form of distance with Moses when Moses got the Ten Commandments. So... A really um, just a, a man that was obedient, courageous, and uh, he was going to be the one to, to lead them in. So let's pray and, and we will get into the word. So Father, I thank you for your word. God, as I've been thinking, I just want to experience your presence. I just want you to speak to me and, and sort of using my mind to, to think of, of ways to encounter you. And I just was reminded that your word it's your love letter to us. It's the way that you speak to us. And so, God, thank you for that. We, I thank you that we get to worship, Lord. But uh, as we don't hear your audible voice, I, I know that some uh, say that they do, Lord, for, for most of us. God, thank you for your word and thank you that you speak to us. And so speak to us tonight uh, and provide us revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are going to start in Joshua chapter 3, verse 7. So uh, the nation of Israel has carved their way to the River Jordan. And they've got themselves a a problem because it's a big old river. They estimate that, uh, you know, I think it's over 100 miles long. And it's estimated that where they actually crossed was around 100 feet wide and over 10 feet deep. So they're going to come to this point and... We'll see what happens. So, uh, chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you 
and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. A lot of Zites. Um, they, were, they knew that they were going to be confronted with war and with battle. That was part of the program. That was part of what um, the Lord had let them know on their way to the promised land. So verse 11, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So in other words, this big body of water is just going to rise up in a big heap and stall as the ark goes across and the people go through. Pretty, uh, pretty radical move by God, his provision, his power. And again, you know, they arrive and not knowing what to expect, 100 feet wide, 10 feet deep, you, you got lots of people, probably some pregnant women, some kids, animals, but the Lord made a way. Uh, we see in verse 16, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. So here they go. They're going to make their move. God made a way. Let's go to chapter 4, verse 1. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe, a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So let's look at the definition of memorial. So the definition of a memorial, something, especially a structure, established to remind people of a person or event. So these 12 stones were to act as a reminder to Israel of God's provision, his power, and his promises, and God delivered on that. So in terms of memorials, we kind of already do that in life, or maybe some do, right? We remember events of our life, and sometimes, for example, maybe you save a plane ticket to Europe, a trip that you took and you just you always wanted to remember it. Or perhaps you have some currency saved from visiting South Africa, right? We, we sometimes save 
you know, things to remember events. Um, I've got an example here. I'm not sure if we got the pictures up. Here's an NBA playoff ticket to the Lakers, 1989-1990. It was showtime, baby. Magic Johnson in the house, Huey Lewis in the news, the band playing. I mean, it was amazing. I was 10 years old. I had started liking the game of basketball, and I was hooked. I mean, I was absolutely hooked. The energy and that event, it, it shaped it's kind of shaped my life. I became very passionate about basketball and I always wanted to remember that. So I got that ticket. I've got it and I remember it, right? So, you know, we've got these things that, that we can remember in life that remind us of events. But what is something that God has done for you that you can memorialize? How can you put it on display as a mechanism to evangelize and share a testimony. Maybe it's not a physical stone these days, but perhaps a picture or a letter you could frame. Because these memorials, they create conversation. Somebody comes into your house and they see a picture and they say, oh, where was that at? Or they see some sort of, you know, um, vintage thing. And they go, where was that? Oh, that was from my great-grandmother. Or what, whatever it is. And it creates a conversation. So what are, I just want to get us thinking. What is, what is something that God has done in your life that you can somehow memorialize, put it in your house or put it in your car to create a natural conversation? It's an easy way. Because if you're like me, I get nervous. You know, oh, okay, I, gotta go. I really want to go talk about Jesus with people. But how do I do it? You know? So it's a great way to, you know, think about sharing your testimony or something that God's done for you in your life. And I'm going to share one of my stone stories with you. So here we go. June 3rd, 2007. This, is, this happens to be the last day I ever had any alcohol. Hard to believe that was over 15 years ago. Okay, but the story's much bigger than that. The story is... It's what God was doing in my life leading up to that event, if you would, to that, that place of surrender for that sin in my life. You know, God had began a work in me. I mean, I was, I had known the truth as a child. I had drifted as far away as anyone could possibly drift, but God started to work on, on me, right? And he started to say, hey, you're pursuing me, and all of a sudden, this doesn't feel real good in your spirit. I was becoming very convicted by Holy Spirit. And so this went, and then that went, and then the next thing, and slowly but surely. And so that stone, yes, it happens to be you know, something that I gave up. I needed to. I was physically on my way to my grave. My mother will tell you. I was spiritually completely dark and completely empty and completely dead. And so I always remember that. People say, oh, you can't even have one drink. I will never, ever, for more than one reason, have, you know, it's one day at a time for me, but I will never give up that precious moment and that precious exchange of what God did for me in my life that I wasn't able to, you know, do for myself. So, um, that's a very special thing. And as a result of that, as that surrender, God gave me this amazing, beautiful wife and these 
three children that, you know, just my wildest dreams. Um, so I'm a blessed, blessed man. And obviously life has not been perfect, but praise be to God that he took me from darkness. He rescued me and transferred me into the light with his son. So that is a, a stone story for me. In fact, I don't know if you have the Colossians 1, 13 through 14, but as it relates to this stone, this became one of my life verses. For God has rescued me from the dominion of darkness, and he's brought me into the kingdom of his son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. I started to understand that, that theological term, substitutionary atonement, meaning I, I deserved to die. I deserved God's wrath. But instead, because of what Christ did for me, I get to live. Absolutely amazing. And that's a story. Saturday morning, I, uh, my cousin's husband in the UK referred me or referred a friend to me. He's been struggling. He's been going through some stuff. And it happened to re relate to alcohol. And he knew kind of some of my history. And so I had this FaceTime with this guy in Sweden. Never met him before. It was so cool. And we're talking and we're talking. And guess what? I went and grabbed the stone. I said, check this out. You know, and we got to talk. He's not a believer. He's very angry at God. And I got to share the gospel with him. And he's living in all the shame and these, this guilt and this pain. And I said, there's, there's one way, brother, to get rid of that. And that's only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Right? And he's on his journey. And I was very gracious and kind and loving. But it was really neat to pull out that stone and show him. So... Um, all right, let's pick up in verse 11. The people passed over in a haste or in a hurry. And when all the people had finished passing over the ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people, the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him, just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. Now, I want to pause and let's think about this. It says that the Lord exalted Joshua all his days, and Israel stood in awe of him. So here's a question for you. How do you want to be remembered? What is it that you would want people to be in awe of you about? Do you want to be remembered as just the most incredible, successful business person that left this earth? Do you want to be remembered as world-class athlete or world-class musician or... You know, or do you want to be remembered as a loving, caring, kind, generous person that loved Jesus and was sold out for him? Now, there is absolutely nothing wrong with being an awesome musician or, or being an incredible business person or being an incredible athlete, right? We teach our kids, do things well, work hard at things. We want you to succeed. There's nothing wrong with that. But are you remembered for that, or are you remembered for the person that was behind the gift or behind the talent? So how do you, you know, start to think, you know, how do I really want to be remembered? You know, Joshua was courageous, obedient, you know, strong, trusted the Lord, and they were in awe of him, and he was exalted. So something to, something to think through. All right, let's go to verse 19, and we'll bring it home. 
The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, What do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. You know, I love just in uh, verse 23 how Joshua reminds them of what God did at the Red Sea, right? And I think that's really important for us to remember that, yes, the, most, the, the best stone you could ever have in your life is your day of salvation, the day that you come into relationship with Christ. He saved you by his blood. That is the best day to ever remember. He's given you life when you deserve death. Okay, it's at least for me, it's important to remember that God's grace is not just a one time deal, but his grace abounds and it abounds. And it's a daily reprieve to be reminded of God's grace in our life is something that is really, really important. And we see that, you know, God does that here, reminds him of the Red Sea and now the Jordan and he'll continue to shower his grace upon his people. But I see three purposes of the stone here. Number one is that God cared for Israel. He cared for his people and he cares for us. Right? First Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He cares for us and he loves us. So number one, he cares for you. Number two, God is mighty, right? He is the one that can part the Red Sea. He is the one that can stop a, a massive, by the way, the River Jordan, it was during flood season when this was happening. He's the one that can stop a river and have it you know, go up in a heap and people cross over. So it's, it shows the purpose of it. It tells us that is to show that God is mighty. And number three, that they would fear the Lord. To fear the Lord is to, to revere God, to worship God, which inevitably ought to change the way that we do life. It should motivate us to be obedient in our lives. And so, number one, the stone is because he cares for you. As you think about your own memorials and your own things that God does, it's because he cares for you. Number two, it's a miracle that God rescued me and brought me out of darkness into light. It's only by his mighty hand and only by the power of the Holy Spirit that drew me to the Father. He's mighty. And number three, we got to remember that to recognize what God has done and that it should motivate us. It should produce Works, which Corey's going to talk about, right? This faith that we have in Christ, this fear of the Lord that we're now, as we get to know him through his word, it should produce a level of commitment and obedience on our part as we fear the Lord. So again, the greatest memorial of 
all time was the crucifixion of, of Christ, that moment. And praise be to God that he didn't stay in the grave, but that he rose again. And, what, and I think about this, it's, it's kind of the same as we look at what happened with the nation of Israel. He did it for them. Well, God, Jesus died for us, right? It was by, he, did, he showed the nation of Israel this amazing work of his power. Same thing, Father raises Jesus from the dead by his power, which again should produce this fear of the Lord, this obedience for us to be following Christ. And just as the nation of Israel was, was looking ahead and they were going and they, they had the promised land to count on, we as believers look ahead to the coming of Christ. Jesus said he was going to be with us to the end of the age. What happens then? Jesus' feet are going to hit the Mount of Olives and he's going to reign for a thousand years on this earth and we get to reign with him. And we get to look forward to that. That's a promise from the Lord. And so these promises are important as we look through Scripture and we look at the prophets and we look at how prophecy was fulfilled. We can count on God's word to remain true looking ahead. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for who you are, Lord, and how you have rescued each of us time and time again. Maybe it's a, it's a big moment, maybe it's a small moment, Lord, but Lord, help us to remember the things that you've done for us, Lord. God, give us, help us to pray and think through how we can memorialize these things as a testimony of your goodness, as a testimony of who you are, as a testimony of your power and your love. Lord, thank you for your goodness. God, be with us this week. Show us your power. Help us to dive into your word individually and and hear from you, God. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to Renewing Hope Church. May God's love for you renew your hope today, and may His face shine upon you and give you peace. If you need prayer or would like to reach out to us, you can do so at our website, renewinghope.church. Until next time, 